Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Top Fins Talk. I am your host, as always, Marcin Kazmarski at PLU Ventino on Twitter. And I'm here joined again with my awesome co host, Tim. Hey, what's up, Tim? Hey, everybody. Tim here at Footy Kuji on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, we are joined today for a new kind of episode, a Top Fins Talk special. I would like to call this the season roundtable recap of Juve's season. Um, and I am joined by Mr. All Juve Cast. Say what's up to everybody. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, fellas. Yeah, of course. Uh, always, always welcome on the pod. And of course, we have another newcomer to the podcast, a, a first time Top Ends Talk uh, attendee, Mr. Travis. Say what's up, Travis. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so we're excited to host this episode. Um, this one is going to be a Juve-focused episode. So I know Tim's kind of like seething on the inside a little bit. He's like, oh, I don't get to talk about Roma today. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Here's here's the thing about it. We talked about this before this even kicked off. Is I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this because you guys are passionate about it. And this is okay for me. You know, I'm just going to be a fly on the wall for this one. Maybe pepper in a couple questions. But uh, I'm just I'm just here to hear some real passionate fans go over everything. Yeah. So so this episode is going to be focused on doing a little bit of an overview, um, talk about like the highs and lows uh, of Juve's Serie A season. Uh, I mean, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about a overall overview of what we thought um, from match day one to match day 38, how Juve looked, how Juve progressed, and just our overall thoughts on the side from like I said, the first match day to now. So. I'll kick it off to Travis first. Uh, Travis, what were your thoughts on Juve for the whole, just kind of overall, what are your thoughts on the on the campaign in Serie A this year? Uh, uh, I think the first thing that I would say is, it's probably been the strangest year I've ever seen for pretty much sports in general. Um, and I think that that's a huge component of uh, part of my opinion on the season. Um, we did have a lot going on as well internally at the club with a new manager and a bunch of different players. Um, so I would say my my overall feeling on the year was fortunate um, with everything that happened. We had Lazio and Inter nipping at our heels and Atalanta playing really good all year. Um, and we saw at the very, very end of the season that we lost, you know, almost all of our last games to bring Inter with one, within one of us. So, I think fortunate is probably the best way to say it since we came out with the uh, Scudetto after all, but um, it's, it's definitely taken some adjusting. So it's hard to be like really positive or really negative about it um, with, especially since we did win the league after all. So not the best year I've ever seen, but definitely the strangest. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a perfect way to kind of like describe how the season was just uh, neutral. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I'm going to leave it off to uh, Mr. Al from All You Big Ass. What were your uh, initial impressions on this year's campaign? Man, um, you know, everybody was hoping we'd get that awesome sorry fall, like, right out of the gate. But a lot of us, uh, being reasonable anyways, were thinking it was going to take time. And it was strange. It's such a weird season because at the start, 
you could see some of Sari coming through. I felt anyways, um, earlier on, you could see some good passing sequences, what he was trying to accomplish and whatnot. And, you know, we left off. and everything really strong with a really strong performance against Merda where we beat them and then we um, benched Pjanic had Bentancur in there so you started to think like Sari was going to figure things out and nobody knew what the heck was going to happen after the break and after the break it's just been all over the map and I honestly feel like it was just somewhere along the lines even looking back to some of those matches prior to the break and play Sari kind of almost changed himself to suit Juve style more than he was forcing like his own towards a club. And I think that's maybe his way of adapting to things. But yeah, it, it's strange. And Travis kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a weird one because we were anything but convincing. We still pulled it out. I mean, if you would have told me at the start of the year, 83 points would have won you the Scudetto. I would have said, you're la- like, you're kidding. There's no way. But uh it's what ended up happening, and it, 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 I get why some fans feel that way just because our opponents dropped a lot uh, along the way, and you, you have to feel that was their year to uh, dethrone us because this was probably, well, it was our worst out of the out of the nine in a row. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I think I think I speak for a lot of people that like kind of like you guys said it. It's 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 been a weird season. It's. Kind of like not like super stoked about anything and not like very mad about anything, but like right in the middle, like very neutral. Uh, I mean, Timmy, I know you haven't really watched every Juve game, but you have any thoughts on on the campaign and and just how steady I went in general for the club? Well, actually, my my statement would probably be more towards your guys' take on Saudi in general, because you got to remember during his time at Napoli and during his time at Chelsea, he was really crucified in the media for not changing his play. He had this reputation for being so pragmatic about how he approached everything. And, you know, it, it was a really, you know, Alberto brought up a really good point where he said, hey, you know, towards the end here, he kind of made some changes. So out of curiosity, just to see how Juve fans are perceiving this, do you take that as a strength on him as a coach for saying, hey, I might not have been getting this all right the entire time? and changing it more towards a perspective of, I need to make my changes? Or do you take it as more of a weakness saying, hey, you know, he he didn't deliver what he said that he would deliver for us? So I guess I'll, I guess I'll throw that to Marston first, because he didn't go, you know, as far as the last uh, last go around here. Yes, yeah, so I mean, I mean, I feel like that's a tough question to ask. Um, the way I look at it is, like, yeah, the Juve's team is, has been built for the last eight, nine years to for this specific mold, to play very defensive football, play on the counterattack. I mean, we saw it under Conte. We saw it, especially under Allegri, since this team is still essentially an Allegri team. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's tough to, for a coach in his first year to do a flip of a 180 in terms of, like, tactics and bring in a whole new approach. I mean, it's it's tough, but I, I, I wish that he would kind of have implemented more of his tactics onto the team because that's what he was brought in to do. He was brought in to push a t- fl- free-flowing attacking football onto the side and, and kind of revolutionize how Juve played o- over the last eight years. Um, and, I, yeah, so, like, I don't know if that answers your question, but I wish that he would have implemented more of his style. That's what I would have wanted to see because that's what he was brought in to do. 
Like if, if we wanted to continue playing like counterattacking football, then then what was the difference changing from Allegri or getting another coach that has a, those similar um, Kylan tactics? So I feel like the whole point of bringing in Saudi was free-flowing, attacking football, passing football, hanging one-twos, and we're not getting that. So that's the whole point he was brought in. Um, so I, I, I'm looking at it as, as a weakness from, from my perspective. But, I mean, I like to get your, your guys' takes on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it, it's a really good question. And it just, yeah, it's going to depend ultimately on each individual and how they look at it. But, uh, I mean, I'm frustrated at the fact that he couldn't get the players and even admitting that in a presser that he just couldn't get them to understand what he was trying to put across kind of frustrates me and bothers me. Um, the fact that he went into this kind of safe mode just to secure the title and change things up that way. I mean, that's great. We still barely, barely crossed the finish line. Um, and my fear would be, you know, is he going to, is it going to work when he gets the right guys? Because what I expected from him in his first season was at least to see his influence um, on the team. I didn't expect perfection because he didn't have the guys. I can admit he doesn't have the guys, but I still expected to see the influence and I just didn't get that. So for me, it's, it's frustration uh, how I'm feeling about sorry. Yeah, Tra Travis, what are your thoughts on, on, on Tim's question about Saudi? <clears throat> um, well, one thing that I've been pointing out as of late about Sari in general, and I think this might have something to do with like the implementation of his squad, and I had almost completely forgot about it, but during preseason, he was out with pneumonia for like a month. And so he didn't truly have a preseason with the squad he went almost up to the first match day without working with the players directly so i'm not saying that's an excuse but that might have something to do with it um i think we all kind of did expect with his style of management that there was going to be a, a bigger change maybe immediately uh i think the the biggest hindrance on that was he, wa he walked into a squad that was built for Allegri and was expected to make that exact style of play happen with players that weren't necessarily suited for it. So I think, did he, I guess my answer to the question would be, I think he did enough this year to merit having an opportunity to continue to implement that style of play for another season. But if we're having the same conversation a year from now where the team still isn't getting it, we're really still not improving our style of play, then I think there's probably a larger question to be asked about him as a manager and his managerial style. If maybe it does or does not work for us at all. So carrying on, and that was a really good point that Travis just brought up is how, you know, how do you open up the season? You don't have your manager at the helm because of that ammonia. That was a, that was a huge setback. A lot, of, a lot of clubs really wouldn't have been able to kind of overcome that. So, you know, the, the next question that comes up here is you start out on a rocky point in the season. You're still getting the job done. Don't get me wrong. You know, the, the opening to the season wasn't too bad at all, really, for them, considering they didn't necessarily have their manager. Uh, was there a specific game that you guys really enjoyed this season that kind of made it feel like you were looking at a turning point? I know there's been a lot of inconsistency, but 
you know, was there was there a game that you enjoyed a lot that you felt like, you know, this this is a signal of us winning? And maybe we could go reverse on this one and open with Travis on this one and work backwards to Marson. Um, that's a good question. I think probably at the beginning of the year, uh, I mean, we weren't playing the best side, um, but it seemed to be like kind of like the in- implication was that we had started moving in the right de- direction. We played against Cagliari and it was a 4-0 game. And I think that was probably one of the best games in that period where we saw some better football. I think it definitely begs the question, is it more that we were playing a side that wasn't at the same caliber for us? So we had a little bit less fear of going forward and being more aggressive? Or was it that something just started to click? And I think the reason I would ask that is because it was kind of in fits and starts with his style of play. Like you'd see us play really, really good for parts of games or for a whole game. And then we'd play terribly for two or three games in a row. So, um, but I would say that would be the one game that stuck out to me is like, all right, maybe this is the turning point. Albert, how about, how, what do you, what do you think? What do you got going on here? Well, at the start of the year, yeah, like it was, kind of rocking we were like i just like i seem to think back and it, it felt like it was uh jekyll and hyde almost from half to half you know like one half strong one half and it could be either it could be start off the match like super slow and then second half pull up but we were getting the results but the one that stood out to me was again the 2-1 victory versus uh inter milan because that game could have finished in a blowout for juve uh, and sorry, that was earlier in the season. You don't stay in there on this podcast, according to Carson. So you got to, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I didn't mean it. to interrupt you, but I just wanted to throw that <laughs> out there. So, yeah, that was the one that stood out to me because it could have been an absolute thrashing. Like, Juve looked so strong on that one. But, uh, again, you follow it up, and then it was a lot of unconvincing performances after that, but still getting the job done. Um so yeah, but that one stood out to me where I thought, okay, we're gonna, we're seriously gonna see this shift uh, from the club with Sorry, but that was the one for me. That's really cool though, because you know, from you, you guys are both diehard fans, and from both of your perspectives, a lot of people would argue that to be a champion of a league, you need to do both. You have to, you have to come away with the victories on the smaller team, those resounding four no wins, but you also got to edge out those two one victories against more competitive sides. So, Marcin, what do, you, what do you have here? What do you think has been that kind of resounding result that said, hey, th- we're here to play? Um, honestly, I, I probably agree with Al. Like, that that game against Merida, like, back, back way in the beginning of the season, I thought that was, like, if you watched that game, you could have been like, wow, you should have won that 4-0. Four, four like, that should have been a cakewalk. Um, I, I feel like, those having said that, there were kind of times throughout the entire season where I was watching like the first 45 minutes of a half of a game. And I was like, wow, Juve looked really good. And they're only up one nil or they only scored one or two goals, but they could be up by half a dozen if they really wanted to. And then you watch the second half of a game and you're like, wait a minute, what happened to the team that was in the first half? And that's kind of been my issue with this, with this roster and with the style of play all year. It's, it's been like, like you explained it perfectly uh, out. Like it's, it's Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's one half is, you have great free-flowing attacking football. You see 15, 20-minute spurts where it's ping-pong passing and 
they're breaking through defenses and just getting great opportunities. And then for 60 minutes, the team looks flat. It looks like they forgot how to play those first 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, that, that meta game definitely is one that's the, that sticks out. Cause mo- like, I would say like 75, 80 minutes that match, Juve looked like they were dominant. Like you, you saw that side and you were like, Hey, this team can compete with anybody in the world right now. And yeah, it's a, it's a two, one scoreline meant to get a goal back. But yeah, that, that game really kind of opened my eyes to, wow, this team can really play. And like, maybe this might be the turning point of us getting more than just 20, 30 minute spurts. Maybe it's like those 60, 70 minute games that we can like dominate um, matches for. And for the rest of the season, we kind of saw that same thing. We just saw those 45 minute spurts, that one game here, then two lull games, like the Lyon game in the Champions League was a perfect example. We, we, we didn't get the result, a one nil loss. And then we come back against Medda and play a, a great game against the same opponent, which is funny enough as it is. And we play a great game and get three points there. Um, but yeah, that's that's just been like what Juve have played like all year. It's one game great, one game it's just trying to scratch out a result by barely like relying on a moment of magic from one player. And it's, it's there's no consistency, and that's been my issue with not only the team but with management as as also. So 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 really thought provoking stuff here, right? So so really thought provoking stuff. Let's go and transition into something super light here, and you can talk about it as much as you want, but. Your favorite goal of the season. Let's talk about something fun like that. So you know, so we have to go with with Al Alberto on this one. You gotta you gotta give us your favorite goal of this season. Doesn't have oh. to be the most important, just your favorite. Well, I love when we pick on Merda. So I've gotta go with <laughs> I gotta go with the Bala's goal to make it two 0 in the second meeting, and that goal had it all, man. Bentoncourt. Spraying it out to him. He beats uh, Young on the, settling the ball, trapping it. Runs it in. 1-2 with Ramsey. And then dangles Young again. And then outside of the boot, Handanovic frozen. Never seen that before. Nice. That was mine. It had to be. Had to be. Okay. All right. All right. So why don't, why don't we go ahead? Why don't we go ahead? We'll go with Marson next on this one. Okay, so I'm going to go with a guy that's been uh, very <laughs> inconsistent all season, but this goal was like, when I saw this, I was like, damn. Uh, it's Douglas Costa's goal uh, from a couple from a couple weeks ago where he just, like, I just love, like, how simple, like, <laughs> Douglas Costa plays. All he does is just do a little, like, shimmy move to the left, and then with his, with his left foot just bends it all the way, just floats into the far corner of the goal. Um, the goalkeeper kind of just stood there and was like, what, did that really go in? Like, I just love the reaction of the keeper on that one. Um, just from like an aesthetic point of view, that goal was fantastic. I'm, Al, I'm surprised you didn't say the first Ibala goal in the first match where he just blasted on his left foot. That one was awesome too. But uh, we had a lot of nice goals uh, this year. Rabio gets a shout out too for that uh, one-man show goal. That goal was sick. That was sick. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, and you, it has to be said about Douglas Costa that there's there's not many players that could get lightning bolts tattooed on them and not immediately sound like a douche. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very it's a very niche market there. You know, it's a very it's very specific. Uh, so, Travis, what do you think? What do you got going on here? What's your favorite goal of the season? Um, I'm going with Dybala as well, and it's a goal he scored against Sampdoria. Uh, that was somebody had crossed it to him at the top of the box and he pretty much volleyed it in from the top of the box into the 
into the upper 90. And I just could not believe that when I saw that. I was sitting on my couch with my jaw wide open. And usually I'm the type of player, like, or not the player, the type of person where if I'm sitting in my house by myself, I'll usually still cheer. And I was just so blown away by that, like, one little piece of brilliance that I was stunned silent. Uh, that was an amazing goal for me. All right, all right. So, and you know, so it's funny because how do you guys feel about? And I know this is a dumb question after hearing your goal of the seasons. How do you feel about Debala getting the MVP award? And and you know, I'll I'll open that one over to uh, to Marson to open up because that's his favorite. That's his boy. That's his favorite. So, yeah. Listen, my son deserves all the praise <laughs> he needs, man. So after after all the stick that he got last year for having a quote-unquote subpar season, which, let's be honest, he did. He, he didn't play his best ball last year. Uh, I think it's well-deserved. I mean, if you watch a lot of games, especially after after the, uh, the quarantine break, um, he was influential. He was lights out. Yeah, people are going to say he didn't lead the league in, in statistics and categories, but if you watch his play, like just the passing, the... I mean, he, he scored 11 goals, had 11 assists in, what, 33 games. So, I mean, he's had the goal contributions. He's won countless penalties for Ronaldo for him to uh, to tally up his goal-scoring charts. Uh, he, he's just been crucial all season. Um, and, I mean, yeah, 100% well-deserved. Also, shout-out to my boy Tech for goalkeeper this year. Just huge shout-out to my, my guy over there. Uh, you're not – nobody's going to be able to see it because we're, not, we're only going to use the audio here, but – you know, Marcin is wearing his Poland top, so he had to give his shout to his to his Poland buddy. So, so Travis, how do you feel about Dybala getting that MVP award? Justified? Is he putting enough in? You know, compared to last season, just give me what you think. Um, yeah, absolutely. We've seen a, a complete renaissance in the player, and I think nowadays a lot of people just automatically think that the MVP is whomever scores the most goals. And the game is so much more than that. And when you see what Dybala does off the ball or what he does like for his teammates in terms of creating space or dropping deep into space, you know, he's really what is keeping the team moving when, you know, a player like Ronaldo who has 31 goals is so much more static. And you know, he really is moving the ball back to front. And I think, you know, he had a great year in the Champions League so far as well with a few goals and a few assists to return. So I think this, I think this is more of uh, what we should be expecting as an output from him um, than kind of like last year where he really wasn't having like the year of his life. Um, but this is what we really should expect from him. And it is you know, a truly world-class player who is an absolute delight to watch. And I think as he grows and matures, we're going to see those numbers not only remain consistent, but probably grow. Fair enough, fair enough. So, Al, I'm actually, you know, I'm going to get your take on this as well, but I'm going to pepper in like a little bit, uh, you know, a, a little something-something in here. A lot of people love to point out, <laughs> Marcin's just shaking his head, a lot of people love to point out when Ronaldo was at, at Real Madrid, it signaled the end of time of Gonzalo. Uh, Benzema didn't really have his time to shine. As he's moved around, he does have a tendency, and these could just be headlines, of hindering other people that he plays with as opposed to helping. So for that for that conversation and for that purpose of, of what we're talking about now, is it even more impressive, that, uh, more impressive, I should say, in the way that Travis just stated it, that we see 
a renaissance of Dybala as opposed to him just kind of fading in the background and moving out for the limelight. It almost seems like he's thrived in that environment. So why don't you give me your take on it? Man, I, I, I don't know. Um, like, the thought and that this was floating around even last season, that the mm-hmm. two of them could not play together. And right. I just wasn't buying it for a single second. Like, I mean, I just, I'm not. If anything, uh, I would be trying to get those two to play together up top. And Sar even tried it. He tried it with the four-three-one-two. The reason it didn't work was our fullbacks. Our fullbacks don't support that system. And whoever it was at Trey Cortista couldn't make it work. But I'm not, you know, it's tough. Did I expect Dybala to have this type of season? I thought he'd be good with Sari coming in. I didn't expect this uh, this level from him. Like, uh, I had him easily as MVP. Um, and I just, I look at it, Ronaldo had his struggles at the start of the year. You know, Dybala didn't. Um, Delict, who was another shout for Juventus player of the season, who you could make the argument, really come on strong late, right? Like really, really come on strong. But Dybala was steady the whole time. He had like a few matches I can think of all season where he was legitimately off and you could say, yeah, it was a bad performance. But even when... He was being used as a sub earlier on the season. He was coming in and making a huge impact. Um, but as far as Ronaldo, like Dybala shining with Ronaldo there, I'm, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, I would have expected, even if you just look at their styles of play, like Ronaldo has changed. You know, he, he's had to because his body's going to change, his pace is going to change, all that's going to change. And Dybala is like, that perfect mixture of a guy who's deadly in the area who can still create so much. And Ronaldo just needs to be that finisher. Um, and he needs to just let the ball take the free kicks. But that's <laughs> just Just season that in there a little yeah, bit before, you, before you sign off on that one. I like that. Okay, so quick yes or no here. Quick yes or no. And I'm going to ask you individually. And I, I feel like I know what the answer is going to be here. Al, I'll, I'll go with you first. Dybala, future Capitano material, yes or no? Yes. Travis, yes or no? Yeah. Marson, should I even ask you? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now pivot the conversation a little bit. So Ooh, I like this. Go for it. So I know that we were talking about Paolo and his, and his renaissance this year. So now I want to talk about other players besides Paulito, who's obviously the, the fan favorite. Other players that have kind of like surprised you over the course of the season from their play, like you got some some guy that you're like, oh, he might be okay, but has just really blown you away, and r- really kind of taken the limelight off somebody else and just shined over the course of the season. Um, Travis, I'm going to kick it off to you. Who do you think has just really surprised you and excelled this year? Um, I'm going to say Demi Rall before he got injured. Um, with only six months in Syria before he moved to Juventus at Sassuolo and, you know, being so young, I had some reservations about him. I also didn't know too much about him. Um, and as, as we all know, as fans of Syria in general, it, it is a truly like the best defensive league. And I didn't know he, if he had it or not. Um, but when he did come in, he just absolutely blew me away. Um, and I was really bummed when he got hurt because he, at that point, um, 
he had basically supplanted De Ligt in the starting 11 alongside Benucci for a moment in time. And then he got hurt again and De Ligt, you know, resurfaced as the first option. But he was, he was a ton of fun to watch. I really liked him. Um, the other person I would probably say, and I think it's mostly just because he gets so much grief, and I actually wrote a, an article about him earlier this year for UAFC.com, was Rabio, um, who has really come on lately. But I always had confidence in Rabio, and I thought he would come good on his ability, which is why I, w- I wouldn't choose him in the first place. But I just like to say that because he he has come on so strongly. The people who maybe like a month or two ago who were like, we have to get rid of him because he has such a high salary and, you know, just so unmotivated. The people like, he should be a starter next year. Yeah, yeah so uh, I, I totally agree with you in terms of Demiral. Um, Rabio is a, is a great shout. Also, a lot of people tend to forget with Rabio, he, he didn't play for seven months or barely trained with the first team before he even came to Juve. So the guy was coming in with almost almost a season's worth of not playing, not training with the first team of football, and then you're expecting him to come to City, I come to Juve to a new league, new team, new tactics, and then start right out of the gate, um, which was a little bit surprising. A lot of people were really on him at the beginning of the season. So yeah, Rabio would have been just would have been probably my pick for the the guy that really kind of like shined, especially lately. If you watched him play over the last six weeks, man, that, the guy looks on point. This guy looks like he can he can run the run the midfield in our in our midfield three for the next few years. Um, Al, what, Al, what do you think? Who was the guy that really kind of uh, took took your breath away this year that really you didn't expect to? Man, Demerol was a great show uh, for that period of time before he got injured he was it was just like holy christ what did we get there like unreal um rabio for sure rabio threw me for a loop um travis mentioned uh people that were saying you know we could move on from him i'm not gonna lie i had a phase where i was like you know what it's just not happening but rabio started in the preseason he surprised me because you don't expect anything really out of preseason but he just looked like i just remember him looking unreal in the preseason, like so fit already. And just, he was running things. He was bossing things in there and it's preseason is what it is. But when the regular season hit, there was a crazy decline in the moments he was getting. And it took some time, but he was getting his odd moments here and there. Um, But then he had a few starts and what bothered me was the attitude. Cause he seemed to just not like lately as he's been like thriving, he's got that fight in him. And he's been so strong in the ball and he's not complaining. He's not lobbying for calls, but there was a lot of that earlier on. And it just, I had a bad taste in my mouth from that. But lately, nobody can deny how strong he's been and that, yeah, he's, he's essentially made himself a lock to have to stay with the club for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't follow Rabio on, on social media, like during quarantine, he was posting a lot of videos of him doing like at home training, at home workouts. So that you saw that he was like really putting in the work. Uh, I mean, Tim, I mean, I want you to kind of, as an outsider, kind of looking in, do you have any thoughts on anybody that you kind of uh, didn't expect to play as well as, as they really did during the course of the season? So I'm, I'm all about the team player. So I'm, I'm all about guys who put in a shift for the team. And I think somebody that flies under the radar, re- regardless if you're a Juve fan or not, a lot of times, uh, Quadrado uh, really flies under the radar as far as the effort that he does put in when he's on the pitch. 
a lot of people, you know, he's not a world beater, and that's been and that's been established by a lot of people. He was a pace merchant for the longest time, I is what I called him. But he's really found a home in Juve, and he's really at that even at that right back spot. I if you had told me that he was going to be halfway decent at that position, I would have told you you were out of your mind because again, I only thought of him as a pace merchant, and I really thought he did himself justice this season by expressing that he has a football brain and he knows how to operate defensively. So you know, I. On a very brief note, I would definitely say Quadrado uh, gets a shout for me on that. I yeah, want to. So. I want to go say ahead. There's one fun little, little Rabio fun fact is, um, and Matuidi's probably shaking in his boots because of this, but the the reason that we got Matuidi in 2017 is because Rabio had supplanted him in the first team at PSG. That's why he was available. So I, we might see uh, might see that happening. Yeah, that, that definitely is uh, something that, that Matuidi has to look out for. So obviously we're talking about positivity, and that's all fine and dandy, but obviously with the positive comes the negative. So I want to get your guys' takes on players now that you think disappointed the season or players that you had really high hopes for and that have just kind of flopped this year, uh, for lack of a better words. Uh, Al, I'll kick it off over to you. Uh, players that have disappointed you this year. Uh for sure, uh, Mirlan Pjanic. Um, I thought he would do a lot better in the Asari system. I just thought, okay, this this can bring him back to life, so to speak. And oddly enough, he started the season fantastic. Like, he came out of the gates, he looked great. And then, yeah, for whatever reason, he just faded. And then, of course, we have the, uh, the uh, transfer. And, uh, yeah, he's come out recently saying positive words with the upcoming match of course but yeah i i just i don't know i expected a lot more from him in uh in a more offensive system thought uh, we'd be looking uh at uh, the pianich of old where he was looking for more through balls and looking more advanced with his first look and uh it, it just wasn't happening he uh he looked just as bad uh as last season if not worse so i'd have to say he was my biggest disappointment yeah, Pjanic has definitely been uh, one that I think we all kind of expected higher from him this year, especially with Saudi coming in. Uh, Travis, what are your thoughts on on disappointing players of the year so far? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Ramsey, and it's simply based on injury uh, and like and health because he when he has been healthy, when he has played, he has he has played well, um, but. To me, he was like this year. We spent a lot of money, or we're giving him a lot of money on salary. We took a risk on him as a free, and I think over the course of the year, he's played maybe played a dozen games all in. And you know, the best way to be a good asset to the team is to be available um, at the end of the day. And I mean, obviously, Kadir has been in no man's land forever, but it's not useful to us to be paying you, you know, that much money. And for you to have like the tools in the toolbox that we need, but you can't stay healthy for more than a few games at a time. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think my disappointing player there will be Ronaldo. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The the, the snipers are aimed at me. Uh, I'm totally joking. Um, yeah, I, I think I know this sounds weird, but I think Kilini will be probably my disappointment for the same reason. Like I really. Like after that first game, he, you saw the passion in him that he scored that first goal and he was so amped up. And I was like, ooh, Killing is just going to have a monster year. And you felt it. And yeah, I, I wish I could have seen 
Chiellini play more often this season. Like he, he's had what a couple, a handful of appearances here and there. He came back, tried to come back, got injured again. So not not to say anything bad against Chiellini. I just wish I could have seen him more. So like I'm disappointed I didn't get to to witness more of that Chiellini partnership back in defense. Um, Tim, do you have any thoughts on anybody that you think personally kind of disappointed you? Uh, well, you know, it's it, from a perspective again of of. Juve, I find to be a very well-run club. So I always feel that, you know, I, and this is coming from somebody who's, who's not obviously not a supporter. I'm a Roma supporter. Uh, you know, from my perspective, they always do a good job that if they end up selling somebody, they bring in somebody of equal quality or even, you know, even if it's like a, a little less quality. It's nothing, it's nothing palpable, nothing that you can't stomach until, you know, a replacement gets in. That's, that's logical. However, when you guys sold Jao Cancelo, there was a void in that right back spot. And when Danilo got brought in there, I think due to a couple other players not having the best season, he's got away with some absolute stinkers of performances. He has he doesn't look like he wants to be on the pitch most of the time. I mean, he second guesses himself. I from the games that I've seen, again, I don't watch every single Juve game. I can't be the one to give you a a, a whole season review. However, I would tell you that for somebody, I mean, the average age in your guys' team is not, you know, obviously there's no spring chickens most of the time around in that team. But, you know, you're not you're not one of the oldest guys on the pitch. If, you know, if Matuidi, given it's Matuidi, is running circles around where you should be, that's embarrassing. You should be putting in a shift where you are, you know, where you are earning your salary from. So I know that sounds like a really harsh analysis of somebody who got brought in to replace Arguably one of the better right backs in the world, but uh, you know, just just off the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of move the conversation. Talk about expectations are for transfer market. I mean, we kind of talked about some players coming in, like Arthur coming in. Do you guys have any thoughts of other players that might be joining the squad in this upcoming transfer window? Um, I, you know, again, it's, it's so hard to anticipate what might happen in the transfer market this year, because we honestly don't know quite just yet how much revenue that we theoretically have lost from having no fans in the game for how long we were like out of, you know, playing and things like that. Um, I will say, and I've been saying this for a while, I don't think he's a transfer target for us, uh, but there's a young man who plays for Benfica named Tomas Tavares, who's an outstanding young right back, who I think that we should be looking at. Um, he's more in the, the style of Cancelo, where he's more attacking. Um, I think more than anything, this summer is going to be, it's going to look more like a winter transfer window than like a regular summer transfer window where you're maybe finding some places where you can find, you know, more reasonably priced players to shore up some things and have as like rotation players and just trying to move on some older players or people who you don't necessarily see as part of your, your uh, plan, plan anymore. anymore. I know everyone thinks they're going to make a huge midfield signing. I really don't know if we have the capability or capacity right now to spend 100 million euros on one player with uh, with everything that's going on. Yeah. 
Yeah, Al, what do you think uh, in terms of transfers for uh, this coming up window? It's tough, man. It, it's tough to think about because you, you hear a lot of different things and, you know, you hear Sari wants to go back to 4-3-1-2, you know, um, rumors of uh, DePaul, obviously, which I actually, I'd be fine with, to be honest, um, if that was a player they brought in. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it's going to come down to we got quite a bit more dead weight than we're going to be able to get rid of. So, unfortunately, what's going to have to happen is uh, we're going to have to uh, get rid of some some guys that are not necessarily top of the list that should be moved. But as far as coming in, I don't know. I think, you know, Milik has been uh, rumored as a high, high target. And, um, man, I think the price tags a little high there. However, if he was okay splitting minutes, I'd be fine with that because I think that's what we want. Everybody wants that high-profile forward up top. I don't want to get us into a situation where we move Paolo Dybala over to the right wing again. I think it's time that we finally build around this kid. I think forward shouldn't be high-profile. Um, it just needs to be a guy that we can rotate in there that's obviously got more legs uh, and more gas in the tank than Iguain at this point in time. Um, and I think we need to focus on the midfield and fullbacks. Uh, Pellegrini should not be used as a bargaining chip. I think he needs to come into the squad. I think we need to find one more midfielder. Uh, Bentoncourt, that's a tough one because many feel he's better as Metzala than he is as a Regista. I see pros and cons to both positions with him. I think he's great filling in there. So, that leaves you with a couple options in the midfield of how you want to attack it. Um, Kulishevsky, good pickup. I was skeptical of how early they jumped on that one. And if he can do what he's been doing, especially down the stretch after the signing, 100% all in, like, on board, and I could see why they did it. So I think we're, yeah, we need to focus on a solid signing in the middle and definitely, definitely right back. For sure, and forward just needs to be someone we can rotate in. Yeah, so kind of, kind of like mentioned with uh, with with Milik. Obviously, I, I'd be I'd be I'd be stoked having another Polak in the squad. That's another kit that I might potentially buy. So Arkadiusz Milik is uh, definitely one I would love to. Yeah, the price tag's a little bit I think high. I think Napoli are a little bit ridiculous asking for that 40, 45, 50 mil, especially in this time with one year left on on Milik's contract. Uh, I don't think realistically they can get it. I think like a 20 mil fee would be more than adequate to get him in. And I think he'd be okay splitting minutes and, and rotating into the squad. So I think he'd be a great signing for the team personally. Um, just with also the, the a level, uh, not no disrespect to Napoli, but a better level of players than he's been used to playing at Napoli, at Juve, playing with Ronaldo, playing with Dybala. I think his production, you'd see an in increase in production from him as well. Um, yeah, I think one more signing in, in the mid would definitely be another move. Uh, a name that, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been big on all years. Uh, awesome OR from, from, <laughs> from funny enough, from Lyon, where we're playing. So OR has been definitely one that I, I look at as a, as a future world beater. You've, you've seen the talent that he has. He's, he's fantastic going forward, and I feel like that's, that's the, a perfect midfielder for this Saudi system. And then, yeah, like you guys are hitting the nail on the head. Another, an extra wing back, a right back specifically, is what I would t target. Maybe some somebody along the mold of like a Ricardo Perea from uh, from Leicester City is a guy that I really like. 
Um, but, but yeah, those would probably be like three moves, three, re- I think, realistic moves that Juve can make. Perea, uh, OR, and, and Milik, and I think we'd be very set for next season. And then, yeah, just moving some of that dead weight off. I know Kadira is, is talking about um, his contract with the club. So, yeah, making those moves to free up some salary. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, so as far as thoughts on my end go, again, you know, you guys are a very well-run club in the in the first place. So, you know, I wouldn't be worried about recruitment-wise, you know, especially from where you're standing uh, at the precipice of Italian football at this point and moving into, you know, to the UCL and, and getting a little further in that competition. Not that the final isn't farther enough that, you know, you guys have been there recently. So if you if you look at a club, there are there are three there are really three aspects of your club that you really have to look at when it boils down is you have to look at the club's finances itself you have to look at the coaching and the coaching staff obviously the manager and you look at the players so arguably one one huge facet of it is that your club is pretty financially sound i know travis was saying no you can't really estimate right now how much was lost financially due to the whole covid outbreak uh, however you know, if you look at it also from the perspective is ideally you like to think that with the fact that Saudi got you over the line with the players that you have, you know, are are you looking at it from a perspective that if you have one of the three locked down right now in the finances and ideally it, it's looking like you got a good manager, are you confident that Juve will be at the top of the football world if you can get the right personnel player wise in? Because again, you got the finances sorted out as of right now fairly confident on the coach do you think that if you get the quality players in to play his system that it'll work out or do you think that again kind of going back to his time at Chelsea where he didn't exactly have the respect of the locker room that he was in that he might run into a scenario like that again so yeah I'll I'll turn this one over to uh to Travis to to analyze this so again the question is you got the finances in you're ideally going to get the players in at the end of this next window is Saudi going to be man? I don't want to say man enough. That sounds wrong. I mean, I, I guess I would say professional enough, respected enough to navigate a quality core of players. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think he he has that in him, and I think there is like a couple examples of that that you can you know, use as like credence to the argument. When he was at Napoli, it was one of the most, you know, beautifully attacking sides. And they, they really did not like take their foot off the gas ever. Uh, And then even after that, when he went to Chelsea, which was probably largely a failure in most people's eyes, he did take, you know, a pretty storied and large club, to a European championship. Obviously, they got knocked out of the Champions League, but they did win the Europa League. And I think he has the capacity in him. I think his flaw ultimately lies in the fact that he's not that pragmatic. He has openly said, you know, I like to develop the players I have. I'm not going to ask for anybody in the market, which could have been part of the problem this year. Um, he didn't ask for any, like, the people he needed to make his system, and he saw that he didn't have the players to make it work, and it didn't work. He's also somebody who's openly said, I'm not going to create a plan B until plan A is affected. So he doesn't have, you know, maybe a ton of ideas outside of what is, you know, top of the list for him. But 
I think in terms of like, is he going to send or can he send the team out capable of being potent enough to do it? I think the answer is yes. Um, but I also think that we need that buy-in from the players or else we're going to end up with another year like this year, regardless of how strange it was, where, you know, I think it's been brought up a couple of times, even during this conversation where, you know, we play ho- like poorly against, you know, in the Champions League against a team like Lyon. And then, you know, a few days later, we play beautifully and beat Inter. And uh, so I think that'll be kind of the big question next year. So give me a percentage just to sign off. This is the last thing we're going to talk about. So give me a percentage to sign off. What are the odds that Saudi will take Juve to the top of the footballing world with the proper team? I'm going to say 50-50. It's so low. I'm sorry. That's like a beautiful in-depth analysis. And you're like, this guy's like, all right, like we could do it. And then you're like, ah, you know, he might be the guy. He might not be the guy. Here's the thing. With, with the Champions League, it's a totally different animal. And not only do you need True. You know, the right mix of players and the right manager, you, you need to have like a little bit of luck sometimes. And right. I would highlight you know, a pain point for most Juve fans a few years ago where against Madrid, we come back three goals. And in you know, the 11th hour, Madrid is gifted a piece of luck with, you know, you know, I'm not going to say it was or it wasn't a red card, but a red card in the 90th minute that sets them up for a penalty after we've played, you know, a brilliant game. So there's just like something about the Champions League that I would never say is a sure thing. You just have to have a little bit of luck on your day to get all the way there. All right. So we'll go 51-49. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. All right. Cool. Cool. All right, Al, what do you think? <laughs> And that's a, that's a tough one, man. I think uh, naturally, uh, us human team, you're a little uh, at the 50-50 point when it comes to Champions League. Uh, but I don't know. I look at Sari. I think if we build this team and it's got, I think it'll favor him if it has more younger talent. If I, I fear for him when we get the Eagles. Uh, and his man management of those guys that I think need a certain type of manager to just make things. I mean, when we were talking about signing him, fresh in my mind was this guy that couldn't get this young keeper to take a sub. And I'm just thinking, what is this guy going to do? Walking into a locker room with Dybala, Ronaldo, like, you know, it's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't see. I'm like, how's he going to do it? And then the struggles you see and hearing him say words, like he can't get the team to buy into his system, his ideas. And when you get team talks being held by Chiellini, Bonucci, Buffon, you know, having to take control and right the ship. And when you get Agnelli coming down at halftime, like it's just, it raises the doubts in me of his man management. Um, so, but I think having said that, if the team's based off younger talent, I think those guys will just buy into the system whatnot and won't have these egos uh, associated with them that won't hinder Sari's ability to try and do what he's trying to do. So if he got the right team and it was more younger based, I'd put him maybe at like a 65, 70%, maybe somewhere around there. I think you're just trying to flex on Travis, but that's all right. I think no, that's no. Nice. no. All right. All right. 
got 65-70% here. Marston, why don't you finish this up? Why don't you wrap this up on what you think, you know, what you think Saudi would do with a with a better team, I guess I would phrase it, and if he can a percentage of what he can take them to on the on the football world precipice. Yeah, so yeah, I'll lead us, I'll, <laughs> I'll end this this great podcast and uh, by saying that I think Saudi can definitely do it um, in terms of getting Juve to the Champions League. I think he, yeah, so, so certain he does need some a certain type of player to fit his system. That's a, a very accurate thing. And and originally I was a little bit more like, oh, I'm sure he can mold these players in, but. Watching Juve over the course of the year, I've learned more and more. Yeah, he needs a certain type of player to play a system. Um, getting those types of players, like bringing those in, like maybe some of those names that we mentioned before, I think would be very beneficial for not only the team moving forward in terms of getting younger and getting a little bit more future ready and having more of those future world beaters on, this, on the team instead of relying on these 29, 30-year-olds where... And when and then in two three years we're we're sitting on dead weight like with with Sammy Kadira for example just one which is one name, um, but yeah I think he can do it I think we have a great shot I think this next transfer window is going to be crucial just because I think Juve have done very well with their finances I mean Tim you've mentioned it a few times Juve are a very well run club uh, I think they posted record uh, profits over this last six months or quarter I remember them reading it like they they posted record numbers of. Of money coming in, so I think Juve have the funds to really drop a little bit of more cash than the average club over this quarantine. Even though a lot of teams have lost a lot of money, um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll put it at the same thing, like 65, 70 percent. I think that he could get us there to that Champions League. Um, also, I mean, I, this is a little off topic, but we have heard those new rumors that Sadi won't be at the club, and the Zidane, the Pochettino, the the Gasparini rumors have started up again. So we'll see what happens after. After this 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 Champions League game versus Lyon, and is is this really going to be a, a make or break match for Sadi? So uh, I'm curious to see if Juve are going to stick with him if he if he really botches this and Juve get bounced by Lyon. So I, I think that's the first hurdle uh, if if he stays if Juve lose to Lyon on Friday. Um, other than that, yeah, I think with the right players, I think any coach can really take you to the Champions League. It just matters about implementation of your tactics and what Travis said. A little bit of luck has to go your way to to really get the Champions League. Yeah, so, you know, and I guess the way we could sum this up, and, and as we end here, is we can phrase it that there's a little bit of a, a pesti- of a pessimistic nature going on right now, but there's also just a lot of opportunity out there, and there's nothing wrong with hoping that your club makes the right decisions and goes in the correct direction. So I just want to thank all you guys for, for your time and for, for sharing your love for your club. This thing, I easily probably over an hour, I would imagine. Uh, you know, it, it's just a testament to how much you guys care about your club. And as somebody who cares deeply about his club, I always love to see it. So, Marcin, why don't you go ahead, round the table, and sign us off? Yeah. So first, I'd like to uh, thank Travis for for hopping on the podcast first time on Top Ends Talk. Uh, Travis, why don't you say goodbye to everybody real quick because I know you have to go. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's been a blast. I mean, I'll never turn down an opportunity um, to speak about Juve, and it's nice to talk to you guys. Uh, I will say uh, to Al, I have not heard somebody say "dangle" since I lived in Minnesota in the state of hockey. So uh, that was that brought a smile to my face. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, I would love to come back anytime, guys. And I do have to uh, call it here because I got to get off to uh, to work. But thanks again for having me, and you know, great conversation, good opinions all around. And uh, I want to say to the Roma fan in the group, I don't may I may not care for your team that much, but you definitely have a better admin than we do online. So <laughs> we are proud. But, we are proud to have the admin we do. <laughs> you guys have a great night, and thanks again. Yeah, so thank you, thank you, Travis, for joining us uh, for the first time. Um, obviously, a, a man that needs no introduction, uh, Mr. Uh, Al from Al, from All UVA Cast. Uh, this is the second time, if I remember correctly, you being on Top Ins Talk. So sign us out uh, once again. Thank you for being on the on the show with us. Oh uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me, and I'm glad I could uh, bring a smile to Travis' face. Yeah, sometimes the Canadian in me comes out, uh, even when I'm talking football, and uh, we love our hockey up here. So yeah makes sense that it slinks out every now and then no uh thanks again for having me guys it's it's awesome uh, i remember the first time i think i was uh a sub coming off the bench and it was uh, still a blast and tonight's episode was awesome to do uh so thanks again i love what you guys are doing uh one of my favorites uh podcasts to listen to for sure so uh keep on uh, doing what you guys are doing i love it yeah, sh- shameless plug from uh, from all Juve cast. If you don't listen to him, you 100% should. Uh, and obviously, the one and only my co-host, Tim, sign this out for yourself. Uh, absolutely. America's Sweetheart signing off here at Footy Kuji. And uh, if you guys ever need to ask me anything, feel free. I'm always available. And that's all for me tonight. Yeah, so of course, I'm going to end this podcast saying uh, please give us a, a follow on uh, Twitter, Instagram, any of our social medias. We're tr- really trying to make a push. Uh, we do have a giveaway that we're doing with since, 19 F- uh, since 1927. Uh, on Instagram, uh, follow us on Instagram at Top Ends Talk. Our Twitter page, uh, Top Ends Talk underscore. Of course, if you ever like to be a future participant in the podcast, you could always uh, DM me directly at PLUVentino. But once again, I appreciate everybody's time for tonight's podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it at home. And until the next one, peace.